like all three of them actually, they're like friends with like Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things. I worked with Noah Schnapp when I did background work for Stranger Things. You know, you see a lot of TikTokers say, I want to start a YouTube channel. And the real respect I think in the content creation space, the digital space is in YouTube because of how much work it takes to be successful on that platform. Welcome back to another episode of the 52 Stories Podcast. My name is Umar, at Umar M. Wasim, and today I'm joined by Tyler Boronsky. He's a celebrity interviewer on YouTube. What's up, bro? What's up, Omar? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Um, so I guess tell everyone about yourself for the people that don't know who you are. Yeah, so like you said, celebrity interviewer on YouTube and working with you know, actors and popular social media stars for the last like couple years. My background in on YouTube started actually in sports, though, interviewing like minor league baseball players and NBA players. And I have a full-time job with a sports TV network doing that. Uh, but on YouTube and my brand online, it's in the entertainment world, interviewing actors and these social media stars. TikTok's a big part of uh, the people I interview now. Uh, that's been new. But uh, yeah, so I've enjoyed doing that, just being involved in both worlds and just creating content. That's awesome. So I guess, how did you find yourself in the whole like celebrity interviewer world? Yeah, well, when I was in, living in Orlando, I was going to college out there, ironically, uh, for sports broadcasting. But where I, I lived in Connecticut prior, but in Orlando, there's a lot of these like Comic Con events and like social media events that I never had access to when I lived in like Connecticut. So that was really new to me. I've always loved entertainment and just being exposed to be able to get credentials at those type of events and meet with these type of people really um, was eye-opening to me and uh, made me want to be involved uh, with interviewing people like that. This makes sense. makes sense. Um, I guess when we were talking before, you know, you mentioned that you've interviewed a decent amount of celebrities anywhere from like the traditional ones. Um, I guess you mentioned, I guess, Bart Johnson, Brendan Ruth, but also you've been recently uh, doing a lot more with TikTok celebrities like Charlie D'Amelio, Lil Huddy, Tenamanjo, or I don't know how to say yeah. last name. Yeah. Um, but what are like the differences between how like a TikTok celebrity ask, uh, acts and how like a, a legitimate or not legitimate, a traditional celebrity acts? Totally. That's a great question. Um, well, actors are definitely more like um, media trained, more they, they're used to like doing these type of interviews, like the PR. So they know how to do give those type of, you know, traditional answers. Um, they're just more used to dealing with media. So they're better with dealing with those type of questions. TikTok stars, um, well, you have the peak now, like Charlie and Addison are in a different category and they've done, they're maybe closer to traditional talent now, but um, for the most TikTok stars, especially when they're first starting off, they even if they have lots of followers, they haven't been interviewed much. So it's a still new, it's a new experience for them. So. It, which is cool too, because you might get some more open answers that you wouldn't right. normally get uh, from an actor, but it's it's just still new to them. So I think um, it's actually cool for them because uh, yeah, like they just haven't. It makes them look more legitimate in the entertainment industry because a lot of them are still are pursuing careers in that, uh, but it's just new to them. So that's the that's the experience I've noticed with interviewing these people. That honestly, a lot of social media stars are more well known than traditional actors. That's true. Um, so. But it's still like a, a new experience for them. That makes sense. Um, I have a friend. I'm not going to say who it is, but I have a friend who is very 
in touch with like the high-end like tiktok celebrities mm -hmm. um like all the content houses and whatnot and he mentioned to me that like when you're at those houses you have to be very careful not to like tread on anyone because you know these are kids who essentially went from a lot of them went from like nobody to like super famous in a year or two so they have like these gigantic egos um is that something you've seen um you know i won't say fully i've, I've seen at times i wouldn't say you know full egos but that is a great point that and that's a different also a big notice uh, i've seen with these tiktok stars is a lot of them maybe have weren't pursuing something in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. platforms like tiktok literally blew them up overnight like literally overnight success now maybe some of them do want to pursue stuff in entertainment now but um yeah some of them are just it was overnight they weren't planning for this so that also goes back to my fact that this is still new to them i was working with a, a kid uh, helping him create YouTube content for a little bit, Mark Anastasio. And he's one of these like big TikTok stars. Um, I don't know yet, like maybe 9 million followers now on TikTok. Oh, wow. um, that's a huge reach. But all of the social media world was new to him and just dealing with brands, creating content. It, it was funny because he's known as a content creator, but I was working with him to teach him and help him create content. Um, so yeah, it's just brand new to them. And that's what... Um, they're learning um, pretty much. You know, it's interesting because you're you're obviously very attuned with like the whole LA culture of like social media, but you live in Connecticut, right? So I'm how does make it rich? I'm I'm just moved to Boston recently, but yeah, I'm from Connecticut. Yeah, right. So how does how does you know someone from Connecticut end up in like this influencer world of like LA? And... I think I know that's really that's a good question. I don't know. I, I credit the live in Orlando getting a small glimpse. I think. If I didn't live in Orlando for a couple of years, I probably would not be able, would not be uh, doing entertainment so much because I just wouldn't have been exposed to that. But, you know, I still haven't even really got, I've been to LA a few times, but I really don't have a full LA sense. And I'm actually going in a couple of weeks though to do a bunch of these creator interviews, going to the Hype House, going to the Triller Compound, going to see the D'Amelios again. Um, so I think I'm going to get a better sense actually in the next couple of weeks of what the LA vibe really is like. But um, right. honestly, I kind of stumbled across and I think, um, you know, the few months when I moved back to Connecticut and, uh, was, I interviewed Charlie and then was working with Mark Anastasio and Maximo Ravana and Luca Lombardo that also kind of exposed me to their world as well. And what, uh, what TikTok's like, what social media and the impact it can have on, you know, their lives and their careers overall. Definitely. Um, I guess that, that answers sprouts two more questions for me. The first one is why did you or how did you end up in Orlando? Because you credited that with a lot of the whole like uh, attuneness. Totally. Uh, well, I was going to college there. It was uh, Full Sail University. It was it's an entertainment industry type school. So they're known for like making movies and uh, you know music and all that. But they started a sports broadcasting program. You know, at the same time I finished high school, they're starting up this program as I was going to college. And that's what I really originally wanted sports broadcasting. Like that was my main thing. And obviously, like I said to you, I, I am still involved with sports. I do kind of similar stuff I do with these actors and uh, social media stars, but in the sports world with a TV network. So um, that's what uh, brought me to Orlando in the first place was for college and joining that sports casting program. Right. And then you mentioned um, that, you know, you're going to the Hype House, the Triller Compound. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned the Sway House. How do you... Like, I know that their addresses are public and whatnot, but how did you end up with access to, like, let's say the D'Amelios, for example, um, or yeah, like, yeah. 
it's just building relationships, dude, and my credibility uh, in this field of work. Demelius try to stay in contact, relationship, um, contact and keep a relationship with them. You know, this past year since I I met them. Uh, you know, and what does that out. look like? What's that? And what does that look like? Like keeping a relationship, I guess, with someone. I was sending DMs and stuff because the parents follow me and I know the manager pretty well. So just every time something is new with them, uh, I reach out and just congratulate and, you know, just try anything to stay in touch. Sometimes they reply, sometimes they don't. Um, and as far as like Hype House and Triller Compound, I mean, I've interviewed a couple people in like Hype House before. So I have that to, to pitch. Like I've interviewed Lil Huddy before and Bryant. So I can pick so th so they know I, I do this type of stuff and uh but yeah it's just building those relationships when I reach out and then having something to pitch uh that you know I've done this type of work before here's where I've been featured and that proves my credibility a little bit even if I don't have the social media following it it shows I, I do this type of work and I've interviewed mutual connections that they have so that's how I kind of am able to get these set up and just being persistent and professional when I uh, talk to these people people, whether it's the talent directly or their managers. That's interesting that you mentioned, I'm, I'm still like caught up, I guess, in yes, the whole sorry. idea of um, keep maintaining relationships with, I guess, people who are, are very um, like popping on, on, on social media. Um, so I guess when you were at that event in Connecticut where you first interviewed Charlie D'Amelio, yeah. um, were, were there not like an, an entire like crew of interviewers? Because I know she was a little bit smaller at the time. So totally. So this, I was her third ever interview. Um, that she had. Oh. It's only, um, so she, th and this is the crazy thing. Like she, I think I mentioned, but she had hit 10 million followers that day. I interviewed her, which is a lot. Don't get me wrong. That is <laughs> a lot, not where she's at now. Totally different stage, but that's the crazy part about social media. Like the girl had 10 million followers and she was just starting to get interviewed. Like I said, she had just done her first big, like, major press thing, like, the night before with MTV. She was at Madison Square Garden for an event. Oh, wow. It was, like, one of her first major, like, um, yeah, you know, big-time things. Right. And then she had the meet and greet for over two days, which I was at. And, yeah, just interviewed her there. Um, but uh, I forget what your question was. But that that's kind of she – was, she was still um, new to being interviewed. Not like – So that's why – so that's why, like, you know, you were able to create a relationship with her parents, like, on the spot. I think that was a big part because it was still early in the game, so to speak. It was still early. And so I'm lucky in that way that, that it worked out that way. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know she'd become this big. No one <laughs> anticipated right. that so quickly. I mean, I remember if you watch the interview, like, she talked about meeting Jennifer Lopez in my interview. Literally the next month or two, um, she met Jennifer Lopez at the Super Bowl. We were talking, I remember, like, uh, she had to do like a Q&A, I remember, at the event. And they would ask her like, who's your favorite TikToker? And I remember we were just talking off before she had to go. She's like, who, who should I say is my favorite TikToker? I was like, um, well, David Dobrik's on TikTok. So does he technically count? She's like, oh, yeah, I love David Dobrik. Uh, yeah, I would love, I'd love to meet him. Literally like two weeks later, she was like in a David Dobrik video. Oh, like, wow. That's crazy. Like we were just talking about that. Um, but yeah, it was just so early in the stage. I think that's that was cool. And that the fact I'm from Connecticut, like I literally live, well, I live like 10 minutes away from where she's from originally. Um, oh, right. You guys are both yeah. from Connecticut. Yeah. And like the high school they went to, King School, which that's public. So everyone knows. Yeah. They were a rival high school when I was in high school. So I used to play the King School like my whole life. So there's just oh, a wow. lot of like connections in that way. And 
It's just things that work out, right? It's just things that work out at the end of the day. It's ironic she's from Connecticut. It's ironic she's the biggest TikTok star and <laughs> popular person like in the last in this past year. Definitely. Um, I I was watching. I think some of those um, like moments. I guess of like. God, I forget what the video is called, but it was like these, I guess, TikTok celebrities realizing like that they're legitimate celebrities. And in one of the the clips, it was I think a live uh, Charlie D'Amelio was live, and like mm-hmm. Justin Bieber was like um, commenting like check your DMs or something. And I was like like yo like TikTok it's it's legit, these, bro. These traditional celebrities, there's they're seeing that too. Like you ever watch TikTok a lot of- now and you see all these like former like Disney Channel yeah actors, like like they're the trying guy, to get Teo Cruz them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are also back, so yeah, and not only are like moving to TikTok, they're also like trying to become friends with like these really popping TikTokers to like regain relevancy. Um, Yeah, bro. Like, but like, I think it's cool too. Like when I was working with like Mark and Max and Luca for a little bit, I was trying to get them like, let's do some collabs with some like traditional celebs because they have the reach uh, to be able to reach out to these people maybe even more than I can, you know, I can do it to an extent, but they really have a reach. So I was like, mm-hmm. let's collab a little bit with these people. I know, um, like Mark, like all three of them, actually, they're like friends with like Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things. I worked with Noah Schnapp when I did background work for Stranger Things. That's like a whole side note. But like, Ooh. like Noah Schnapp would be a perfect, like, kid for you guys to collaborate with. We have all, all have some sort of connection with him. Let's do something with Noah Schnapp. Um, and Charlie didn't did something with Noah too. So uh, they should still do that, even though I'm not w- working with them anymore there. Um, they should still do something with Noah Schnapp. But I think it's just cool that like, I think both worlds should mix a little bit. For a while, social media stars weren't getting like, um, what's the word, like credibility. That's true. Still to an extent, not quite the same, but um, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting world, very entrepreneurial. And I, I think they're mixing a little bit more and it's balancing out as well though. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting is that like this whole idea of like social media influencer didn't exist like 10 years ago. Yeah, like there were a few people who who maybe like had a lot of YouTube subscribers. So they like did it made it their full time job. But there was there really was no like AdSense or like the idea of like sponsorships going directly to the creators. Um, I guess one thing that's very interesting to me is you mentioned that Charlie had I think 10 million and that was like her third interview. Yeah, if you think about someone on Instagram on with 10 million, or someone on YouTube with 10 million, that's like season, like almost traditional celebrity. Totally. Like you could argue, uh, you could argue that people like Mr. Beast and Tanner Fox, for example, Logan Paul, like these guys are legitimate, like traditional celebrities at this point, right? And mm-hmm. so they're they're also like closer to like the 10 million mark on any other platform. What? Why do you think that like, I don't want to say TikTok followers are worthless, but why do you think that it's so much easier to have a large number of followers on TikTok versus like Instagram or YouTube? Well, okay, so two parts to that. So one for, as far as the TikTok reach, it's because of how that algorithm works. It's just, it's such a great app in that sense. They really just push out um, people's content so organically. But I think Mm -hmm. a better answer to what I think you're going for is YouTube, even though, um, let's say 10 million followers on YouTube, has a different feel than 10 million followers on TikTok is because YouTube um, is where the real content creators are at, I would say. Like, that's where, you know, you see a lot of TikTokers say, I want to start a YouTube channel. And the real respect, I think, in the content creation space, the digital space is in YouTube because of how much work it takes to be successful on that platform. You see how on TikTok you can post something really quick and maybe like, I don't want to say like a dumb dance, but like a dumb dance or just something that doesn't seem too impressive and still gets lots of views. 
Right. It's hard to explain that, but there's obviously something about like the you know the look of these kids are just there's something that catches these um you know people's eyes to for TikTok to push them out and for people to obviously like their videos right, and stuff. Right. But as far as like respect in the content creation space and digital space, that's where if you can do it on YouTube, which is a hard platform to be successful on and post really good content. I think that's where it shows who the true content creators are. And uh, honestly, the people that make it far, like you said, like the Mr. Beast, those are getting more traditional, I guess, celebrity respect. Definitely. Um, and it's because he's a really good, he's really good content creator. Same with like Casey Neistat, he's same type of deal. So I think uh, that's why uh, if you can be successful on YouTube, show that you know how to create, I think you get more respect in, in the entertainment field, I guess, as a whole. And you see a lot of like TikTokers are moving over. They're trying to diversify, I guess, their 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 streams, which I guess is good because, you know, if, if TikTok does like there was that thing of TikTok ending. Right. And a lot of people are like, follow me on Instagram, follow me on YouTube. Yeah. And now you see a lot of like uh, TikTokers moving over to YouTube. Um, yeah. And I like I said, I, a lot of these TikTokers, they do get it like they need to be on YouTube. But um, like I was saying earlier, like um, some of these people that are successful on TikTok, they weren't necessarily content creators even beforehand or they were pursuing this. So like it's a weird concept that they're known as content creators, but they're not really content, really content creators. Yeah. Like, really weird concept. Super new that TikTok is kind of exposed. Um, so that's why I think, yeah, they might have a YouTube channel, but like how good is your YouTube content? And that will keep you relevant. I think past TikTok. And then there's the other side, I guess, to, to TikTok creators, which is the people who have been doing social media for years and yeah. TikTok helped them pop off. I guess Bryce Hall and, and Josh Richards are a good example. They were musically famous before TikTok happened, but now the TikTok happened. They're like on their path to becoming mainstream celebrities almost. Totally. Um, what is your opinion on the new, like, phase of tiktok paparazzi you know like fletcher from hollywood fix and like um it's i mean it's good for them obviously um it's i think it's worked out in both parties obviously the i guess the only the negative thing fletcher probably gets is like the credibility thing like oh you were interviewing a less people before now you're interviewing tiktok stars but these tiktok stars get more reach than that's the thing like why do you think it... so i think we have to get rid of that um mindset a little bit of you know, I don't know. These just these social media kids just get more attention right now. They're more relevant. Um, so it's good for these social media kids. They're popping off more. It's been good for Fletcher and all these other paparazzis. And now you see all more. There are more paparazzi. There's a ton of paparazzi accounts now. Obviously, like Hollywood Fix is the most well-known and like Kevin Wong. But there's like I see the same like Dixie D'Amelio video or Josh Richards video like 20 different times from 20 different angles because so many people are trying to get in the, the paparazzi space now and, you know, interviewing you think, us, kids, and I don't know. It's, what do you I think, think it's, parties. What do you think is so different, though? Because if we're being honest, like, Instagram celebrities have been around, YouTube celebrities have been around, but for the most part, you don't really see, like, Tanner Fox getting interviewed on Rodeo Drive, right? But you do see, like, like any random, not random, but, like, any person who's somehow linked to one of these, like, big content creator houses, like, they'll get stopped in front of like Nobu or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why more YouTube people don't get um, stopped. Instagram, I kind of get, I mean, Instagram, you don't really know anything about these people at all. You just see pictures, but that's true. I, I, I really don't have a great answer to that. It's just the fact that TikTok is just so relevant right now. These, I mean, it, it's, it's taken it social media growth to a new extreme TikTok. 
Um, the fact that Charlie has 90 million followers, I mean, I don't even know if that's right, but uh, 90 million followers in literally like a year, that is, that's a new stretch. And that's what's interesting about social media is that they can push the boundaries of what's, what's normal and what's uh, extreme. Um, but I don't know, man. It's just their numbers are crazy. These TikTok stars, um, whether you think it's right or wrong, it's just a situation. But I, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious to see how this kind of plays out. I, Because you know how, how quickly Vine died, right? So yeah. who, who, knows, who knows what's going to happen? Because once TikTok dies, yes, there are going to be a lot of like the topper, like the bigger creators that are going to survive. But a lot of like these people who think they're famous with like 500K, they're going to probably be gone. Um, totally. I guess I, I, I kind of want to switch over because you have from what it seems like you have a very interesting life, right? You, you played uh, the background cast for Stranger Things. That's true. Um, yeah. So I want to kind of ask you a little bit about that. Um, you want to go ahead and give the background or like the story to that? Sure. What you were well, doing. To explain that, getting Stranger Things was in a way strategic. Um, like I was saying to you, when I first, and this is only a couple of years ago, I was just um, you know, trying to get involved in entertainment for the first time in my life. I was interviewing like a couple like people on Stranger Things, not, not, not like the main cast, but like, you know, the recurring characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, you know, uh, shift my like audience or fan base or, you know, just get some followers that are in the entertainment space. Um, and I thought, I don't know, I'm interviewing all these Stranger Things people recently. Stranger Things is one of my favorite shows. If I was on the show, that would uh, help, you know, solid- make me more interesting in the entertainment space. Because I've learned in entertainment, you just got to find a way to stand out in some way. Uh, so that's a pretty unique fact that, okay, he interviews people on Stranger Things, but he's also like involved on with Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, and actually that helped me like ask like some interesting questions that I can only ask because I've seen like how the directors work in person and all that stuff. But so in a way, Stranger Things was uh, strategic. It was like, a, I had done the show Atlanta uh, on FX, like uh, a few months prior. Um, so that helped me with like, I knew who the casting director people were for Stranger Things. And I was like, being on Elena was like, uh, helped me get Stranger Things. Cause it's like, okay, he's been on a, another like show before. So he, he's not like some just fan. Like he, he knows how to act on a set. Right. Um, he's like in the professional space. Yeah. Cause what I noticed with Stranger Things is they were hiring like a lot of like, I don't want to call it like professional background actors. I don't know if that's a thing, but like people that have done background work before, not just like fans. So, so, you know, they know how to operate on a set. Um, so it was like a four month process, like three different rounds or whatever. Uh, you just have to send like headshots and information and whatever, all that stuff. And then they, you know, see if they want you in the next round, ask you more questions, blah, blah, blah. Get casted, went there for like a week in Atlanta. Uh, it was the, I don't know if you've seen the show, but it was like the Star Court Mall. Uh, and they uh, renovated like a mall for like season three, like a, an abandoned mall and made it like an 80s. Uh, interesting it was like yeah they like renovated this abandoned mall made it look like all 80s and stuff it was super cool uh one of the best experiences i've had um i saw like you know no schnapp millie um all those people and you're able to talk to them you know don't fanboy but you're able to talk with them in between takes and uh yeah i don't know i just had a lot of fun doing it and it was a really cool experience it's like not many people can say like Okay, I was in Stranger Things. You're on one of your favorite shows in a in a sense. I mean, I'm only on it for like three seconds, really briefly. Not like, not good. You know, it's nothing crazy at all. But, but you get to be on like that process, the, the experience. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. And um, 
what like what stopped you i guess from turning around and like becoming a background actor in another show or like um well i mean acting's not my goal or anything so it, i mean it was a big commitment it didn't make too much sense drive right? to yeah. atlanta like um i don't know like i mean if i live closer to atlanta i'd probably do it more if i like I, I went up mainly for that and stranger things was always like the the big goal like i kind of even thought about it when i booked atlanta i was like okay doing atlanta on fx will probably help me get stranger things which i guess correctly so that was um yeah i mean I, there's no really point because i got what i wanted i wanted to be like involved with like a big show like that so like there's no point for me right now to like I don't know, fly to land and do a background on another show. Cause I already accomplished right. what I was kind of hoping to get out of it. Like, okay, I'm kind of involved with like a, a big show. I can always say that now. And mm-hmm. that has helped me with like, I mean, we're talking about it right now and it was a couple of years ago. So like, that's what I kind of anticipated when I decided to do that. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess the podcast, you know, this, this podcast originally started as like a, a way for me to tell my photography slash videography friend stories. So a lot of those, like, I guess, audience members have stayed, even though it's grown to, like, just people who who are in the whole, like, following influencer space. So my question is, let's say you have you have the D'Amelios, the interview with them soon, right? So what does your creative process look like? What gear do you take with you? Um, you know, things like oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, first, I won't be able to take as much gear as I would like, because this is going to be a lot to ship from Boston That's to true. L.A., so... I don't have actually anything too crazy. I just got my, honestly, stuff I was given from my school. It's just a Canon T5i. I got my audio mixer. I got my uh, Sennheiser mics or loves, depending on what I want to do. I'll probably use Sennheisers uh, for the interviews. Got a, I don't even know the name of these. I got a light, you know, a light uh, setup that I'll bring. Right. I don't know the name, actually. I'm not a huge, I should know more a little bit about tech, to be honest. I really should. I saw your work. Your work is awesome, man. Thank uh, you. I love what you do. I really wish I was like technically uh, proficient like you and my buddy Josh Gallo and all that. Bro, stuff. Josh is on another level. Yeah. So um, so that's, I think that's what I'm mainly bringing. I don't know. And yeah. I guess okay. even not from a technical standpoint, let's say there was like another kind of like A-list quote unquote TikTok celebrity. And how would you go about trying to book an interview with them? TikTok celebrity? Um, yeah, I mean, depends if, well, a lot of them now, it, they'll put like their business email somewhere, um, mm. one way to contact them. Um, and most of the time you'll get like a manager or I can, uh, I can find ways to find out who their manager is too. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know the best way to explain it, but like, I can look up like online and see if anything that says this person's represented by this company, then um, I could just do some digging to figure out, okay, which person represents who. Um, But a lot of the time, the most simple way, they have some sort of business contact. And that's what I like about these TikTok stars as well. A lot of them have business contact in there. Um, Now, the hope is you get a response back. That's probably the hardest part. But a lot of them actually have their email accessible somewhere whether it's like in their instagram bio email or just some way there's a way to find out like youtube oh another trick is youtube descriptions as well uh you know yeah the about yeah look at those so i i did my share of of youtube honest but um, yeah um and then pitch yeah yeah and speaking of the pitch how do you like maximize your chances of getting a reply is there like a give slash ask that you have to like 
you know, like what value can you provide to them? Because at the end of the day, like it's, it's interviews, right? It's not like I'm going to create content that you can use on your YouTube channel or, or whatnot. Totally. That's probably, I mean, that's the biggest thing because for me, I don't have a lot of social media followers. So it's like, and I don't have maybe quite, which means I don't have quite the brand name necessarily. So that's the biggest uh, challenge is, okay, why would these people want to do an interview with me? Um, and I think the biggest thing I provide them is I feel like I take a very professional approach when I, when I speak with these people and I'll give them an opportunity to talk about professional related things, their brand, being like entrepreneurs, because social media stars are entrepreneurs for sure. on the business side. And I think a lot of these social media stars want to be, you know, like I was saying earlier, looked at as more credible and, you know, right. maybe a lot of people don't see their personality in like a TikTok video and don't realize they're, they're building a business, they're intelligent people. So I feel like I give them that an opportunity. I pitch that to them. And then, like I said, I have been doing this for a little bit. So I have um, mutual connections that I can reference, say, hey, I've interviewed your friend before, because uh, I have probably, and I've been featured in some, like my work's been featured in some decent uh, you know, publications, which has just built up over the years. So I have that to pitch. So it's been the snowball effect over the years and I'm short and concise with the message. And uh, I think that just grabbed their attention. Interesting. And do you have like an email template you use or do you just kind of know what you're going to say every time and you just write it out from scratch? Um, I have like, a t- I don't have like a, I don't have a template per se, but I kind of have an idea, like introduce who I am, what I do, what, like I said, who I've interviewed, that's, they know that's related to them in some way. Right. Publication that's featured. Here's what my value, like I said, like the, the approach I would take with my interview, what I usually talk about and then, um, try to give them, you know, a specific day or availability to see what they have and, uh, you know, tell them I'm flexible and stuff. Um, Interesting. I don't have a word for word thing for you, but it's, it's something along that line. It's, it's very yeah. short though, to the point. And uh, that's easy to understand. Um, and I guess the so something I bring up every time I interview someone in like the camera, like u- using a camera space is um, on shoots, something usually goes wrong. I'm not sure how true that is in like the interview space, but like I've had a lot of uh, like I don't want to say almost died almost death stories. But I've had a couple of those. Um, so I guess what what's like the craziest thing that's happened to you on one of these interviews? Uh, well, if we're talking from a technical standpoint, it's the biggest one is like the audio. Uh, to be honest, whether it's like but like yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I've just had that on several occasions, unfortunately. Like I said, I'm not the I would love to get better at tech and it's hard. Right. The hard thing is I'm one man band. Like most of these, like my whole life, I'm basically one man band. I do have someone come with me to LA, so I won't be by myself this time. Um, but yeah, it's mostly like setting up on the fly, forgetting to connect the mixer to the camera oh, or a little before. loose or, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's happened on several occasions. I mean, the worst is getting no audio at all. Like if you do, I think I've had that happen a couple of times, like literally no audio comes out. At least the worst case is like, okay, or not the worst case, the at least you at least to hope get some sort of audio. Even it's so crappy, like your camera, mic, whatever. In camera, like, yeah. Get no audio at all. That's like defeating. Um, I've, I've had that happen a couple of times, but oh, I don't know, like had that. I mean, even the Tana interview, my Tana Mojo interview, which that sucks because I actually liked that interview. Um, I think the mic, it was like loose or whatever, like the connection between the mixer and the camera. So oh, it, no. it, 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 it picked up the camera mic, which just sucked because that was a that was a yeah. tough 
tough one to actually get, to be honest. Um, so yeah, but it happens. I think I'm better at it now, more conscious. And then like, if I go somewhere where I have more control of the location, like I'm able to like sit down or whatever, I'll bring like multiple like backups and stuff. Backups. So like there's audio being picked up in several ways, just in case. Makes sense. sense. Um, Interesting. And then we're kind of coming towards the end of the interview. So I have two questions left. Yeah. The first one is what are three things that you kind of need like to operate, to live uh, in your daily life, in your profession? Wait, in my profession or in my life, like day to day? Both, both, both. It could be, it could be anywhere, like on that spectrum. Just something you use every day, but it can't be as broad as like your phone. Oh man! Okay, wow, that was. Everyone starts looking around the room every time I ask this question. I, I literally am. I'm like, what do I need? I'm like, uh, well, I was drinking coffee earlier, so I'm gonna say that. That's a good one. one. That's a good one. Shoot, you said no phone. It could be something uh, on your phone. Be- I, I don't think I can give you six. I'll give you three. I'll give you a microphone. I'll give you my Sennheiser mic because I really do need that for my interview. Which one is it? Do you know like the model number specifics? I don't, or like- I don't necessarily. No. I, like I, said, I got like a like a launch box from my college when I first joined a couple of years ago. I just been using that ever since. Um, if it works, it works. Ooh. It could be an album. It could be an app that you use. Sheesh, bro. <laughs> this is good. No, I'm going to give you a random one. I like to play the ukulele on my off time. So I'll say my ukulele when I need something that's like not when I need to chill and I'm not thinking about work. So there's yeah. my third random one of ukulele. That, that is a, a good, good one. A it's a question. very good one. It's a very good one. <laughs> okay. And then my next and final question is for anyone who's listening to this episode and they kind of want to be in the position that you are, or they want to break into like this entertainment interview space. What is your advice for them? Uh, just try go out and create on your own now. Um, just get in the habit of doing these interviews and you know what the process is like trying to set these up, uh, whether you're in person or in through Zoom, probably through Zoom now because uh, of everything going on. But you know, I've been doing this since like ninth grade. Uh, like I said, started in sports. So when I was in ninth grade, I would like go to minor league ballparks and just like talk to these adults and try to convince them to give me credentials at like different ballparks around like Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, and just, you know, make sure the player actually, you know, I talk to the media person, make sure they give me the player uh, to speak with and all that stuff. So like, it's just getting that habit. You might not interview like big name people right away, but you just want to get in the habit of uh, what the process is like. And then once you start interviewing people, you have something to say, like I was saying with building the snowball effect, and then you can start pitching and getting a little bigger people and a little bigger people. And then maybe you're interviewing, I don't know, the biggest names in whatever field you're trying to pursue, entertainment or sports. Awesome. Well, I guess that's great advice. Where can they find you on social media? Just at Tyler Boronsky at all platforms. Uh, last name is B-O-R-O-N-S-K-I. So I appreciate you having me on, Omar. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of the 52 Stories podcast. You can find Tyler at Tyler Bronski, as he just mentioned, on all platforms. You can find me at Omar M. Wasim on Instagram, Omar Wasim on YouTube, and at 52 Stories podcast on Instagram. Re- lately, lately, recently, lately, we've been posting some excerpts to Instagram. So definitely go check that out. Thanks for listening. If you're going to go out, wear a mask. Stay safe. Peace.